foot enthusiasts, minimal footwear lovers, or anyone trying to fix your own feet, I'm heading to North Carolina this May to lead a live, in-person, three-day retreat all about feet. I'm going to be at the Art of Living Retreat Center, which is up in the mountains of North Carolina. It's so beautiful there. And are you ready to hear what I'm calling it? The retreat is called Healing Your Soul, a stepwise approach to building forever functional feet. That's so good, right? If you want to learn all about how to take care of the muscles, bones, joints, fascia, and nerves of the feet, and learn how strong feet and ankles relate to sustainable hips and knees, this event is for you. In addition to the classroom and movement time with me, you're on retreat. So there's delicious meals, a nature-rich campus that you can explore on foot, and plenty of time for rest and relaxation, all included. A retreat is a perfect way to care for yourself in the moment, but also in the future. You are coming to learn a massive toolkit of information. So whether you're a competitive runner, a dynamic ager, or a healthcare practitioner, this is a weekend full of movement for you and your feet. And like I said, you're gonna leave with a toolkit and a big swag bag that you can use to train your feet for life. For more information about the movement sessions, the food, the center, head to my website, nutritiousmovement.com slash retreat. That's nutritiousmovement.com slash retreat. This is Katie B, and you are about to listen to an early episode of my podcast. Now the show is called The Move Your DNA Podcast, and you can find all episode transcripts and the show notes to this episode at nutritiousmovement.com slash podcast. Enjoy. the Katie Says Podcast, where movement geek Danny Hammett joined Battle Mechanist Katie Bowman, that's me, author of Move Your DNA, for discussions on body mechanics, movement nutrition, natural movement, and how movement can be the solution to modern ailments we all experience. Today, it's all about the gate, not the G-A-T-E, as in shut the front, but gate, like walking, locomoting. Is it perambulation or ambulating? We always we always just said ambulating. Okay. I wonder what the difference is between the two. You want me to look it up? Well, if you can multitask and do it. Ambulate is to move from place to place or walk. Oh. But what did you what was the word you were using? Perambulate. Did I make that up? No, let's see. Perambulate. I make up words all the time and I say them with authority so that you think that I know what I'm you talking about. Both. It says to walk through. To ins- to inspect an area. So, like, if you were a health inspector, you would be perambulating through a restaurant. Like Peru. Yes, so, it, so oh. it's on foot, but with a particular purpose, perhaps. Oh, it says, used specifically to mean determining the bounds of a legal area by walking around it. So there we go. Oh, that kind of got stiff, didn't it? Well, it depends on your gait, your G-A-I-T. <laughs> <laughs> Have you walked yet today? I did. I walked this morning, my five at five, with my best walking partner ever. We celebrated our one year of 5 a.m. walks. Oh, already? Yes. Holy cow. Mm -hmm. That went quickly. You're telling me. (laughs) Five at five. Five at five. And um, it's been nice. We don't go every morning. We try to go at least four mornings a week. And when we first started, it was going to be like 
I just needed like two days a week and it turned into every day. Um, especially in the, ironically, especially in the winter where we went, where it was freezing and we'll still get up and, and do it, but it's, oh, it's good. How about you? Yes, I did. I, I only do three miles every morning. Only. And only. <laughs> well, and I like five miles a day, but I can't seem to crack that all out at once. Mm-hmm. As soon as it gets a little cooler here, I'm going to do a couple in the evening when the husband oh, gets yeah. home from the job. Yeah, you know. So then I can then I can nail that five, but that all at once, I just I don't know. It t- that's a lot of time. I put on my Instagram account. Did you see our nighttime walking? The nighttime walking post I did on our Instagram. What we do a lot of times, like I'm good at getting my morning miles in because I'm an early riser, but my other half is not. So we actually do nighttime walks. So instead of dinner, like a lot of times, I, I wrote it all out. But what we do is we pack up dinner. And then we have this trick where we'll drive to some trail or, or, or some, some place where one adult, in this case, let's say my husband drops me and the kids off, and then he drives and parks two miles away or three miles, usually two miles because it's our nighttime thing that we tend to do. And then he has a quick two-mile walk back to us, which takes him, you know, 30 minutes. But meanwhile, the kids and I are walking towards him. Oh, cool. And then he then turns back around with us, and then we walk the other. Aww. You know, it usually takes an hour, a mile for our kids, which are little. And then I have dinner, like, in a backpack, and we're just kind of snacking and eating our dinner along the way and walking. So there was a huge response to it. And I think that a lot of people are kind of paralyzed to move when they have that traditional work school day, right? Your kids mm-hmm. or, or someone's at work. It's like, how could we walk for a family? Because when we get home, it's dinner time. I'm like, have your dinner ready, put it in a backpack and take it on the go. And so we get two extra hours outside in the evening. We still accomplish dinner. We still have family time, talking time at dinner, and we get the movement in. So that was a little solution there. That's a great solution. Like I hear that a lot. I yeah. don't have time. You know, yeah. how do you find the time? And it's like, yeah. well, we all have that same chunk. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all given that same chunk. And I like the the thinking outside the the normal cultural boundaries. That's that's the part of this work that I'm fascinated with. It's yeah. like, but what about dinner why, time? Why can't you? Yeah. yeah. Why do you have to? And you know, just really think about it for a second. So that's anyway. cool. And then he gets his walking in. I well, guess. right. And then you know what? If it's been like a, <laughs> it all depends on who had the hardest day. Like maybe if you've been <laughs> with the kids all day long, you're like, you know what? I'm going to park the car and I'm going to do two quick miles. So and it's never the same, right? It's just everyone. We kind of play by who needs a break? <laughs> who needs mm-hmm. who needs twenty or thirty minutes to themselves? And we just swap out and. And it's actually, it totally mixes up the energy with the kids just being at nighttime. Nighttime walking, like we're going to talk about this, not all walking is the same. Nighttime walking is different. It's different nutrients than daytime walking. If you're like, oh, my kids, like they're not, like, they're not excited. It's like they will be excited by all of a sudden, why are we going somewhere at night? And it doesn't have to be pitch black, but like what? This is normally sit down dinner time. This is something different. This is right. something exciting. And then all of a sudden they're running on the trail for two miles because it's, out of their norm. So mm-hmm. variability in movement and variability in habit is pretty cool. Well, then let's just step right into it. Oh, and- gosh. Oh, stop it. You know, I could get away with these if you didn't call me out. <laughs> no. I, did we do an episode where there was a bing every time you did a pun? So good. I love it. Oh, yeah. I don't think I don't oh, think that was very popular, so love. <laughs> they I didn't like the digging. Differ. Oh, good for you. Well, yeah, let's talk about your, you've got your plan five at five and then the okay. variables of, okay, tonight we're going to walk here. Yeah. And then you just pretty much, your real plan for walking is just 
a lot of it in different kinds, right? Well, I think that that's what I'd like to do this show about is walking is it's there's a, it's like a big idea. It seems like such a simple thing, right? Where you're like every human should just do it, just do it. But it's like, well, you could think about walking. You can approach walking whether you're doing it academically, like breaking it down for evaluation, or if you want to study it, or if you are going, I want my walking to be better. You have to think about walking in both in terms of quantity and in terms of quality. So quantity is kind of like what you and I are talking about right now. Like if I say, did you walk? Hey, Katie, did you walk? Hey, Danny, did you walk? We said, yeah. And then we usually talk about it in terms of how long I walked for like 30 minutes or I walk two miles. And so we're approaching walking as a mode in that case of, of exercise or behavior. And we're looking at the abundance of which we have done it. So it's just Mm -hmm. a thing in this case, but that's one way of looking at it. Then there are qualities of walking. I think like last episode, when you were talking about moving to Colorado, there's a lot of hills there. Yes. So you were like, Boulder's got a lot of like vitamin hills, right? So in talking about movement as terms of nutrition or nutritious movement, we're calling out what are the micro or macronutrients that are involved in walking. So we've got hills. Hills would be that has nothing to do really with how long or how far you went, but it gives us other information really about the loads that were created while doing it. So if you haven't listened to the loads episode, gosh, that was such a long time ago. That was like last year. Yeah. I know. I think we just passed 30. Is that crazy? Oh my God. Me too. I, I just passed 30 myself. How about you? No. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, just uh. two years ago. Uh, yeah. But 30 episodes. So yeah, that was a long time ago. Yeah. I think I feel like three, but it might not be. Back to qualities, I just want to just back up what you're saying. I'm not really walking any more than I was when I lived out on the prairie where it was flat. Like I'm pretty much still getting the same, you know, quantity of walking and that hasn't increased. But because I'm on, you know, hills 50% of the time now, it's totally changed everything. I'm not investing any more time or distance really, but because I'm on, you know, dirt surfaces or heels or scrambling up stuff, that's been crazy. Like the change in my, the way my muscles feel and, you know, it matters so much to mix it up. Well, and that brings us to the, this other idea, like people want to talk about, just tell me how to walk or there's big discussions on what, what should walking look like? And it's like, well, what kind of walking are you talking about? You have done walking two miles or three miles in the prairie and also in, you know, mountainous regions, but those two things are not the same physical experience. They're not the same muscles used. They're not the same. Um, they're not this, they're not the same muscles and joints used in the same way. It's the same body, but it's being used differently. And so the mechanically transduced outcome is going to be different. One is not better than the other. They're just entirely different nutrients. They're different foods, you know, if you will, or they're, they're different. If we want to say, if we want to call walking a macronutrient, they're different types of fats. Well, yeah, like that you posted a picture, uh, I don't know, it was a few weeks ago of a trail close up and you showed, you could see all the texture of what you'd been walking on barefoot and in your five fingers, your minimal shoes. I think it was your unshoes that you were wearing and you wrote something to go with it about that. Do you want to read that or do you want me to read that? Do you remember that? Let's let you read it because you will speak it so well. And I've been working with a voice coach. I know. I need to get with her. <laughs> I totally need to get with her. Let me get with you, voice coach. What's her name? Her name yeah. is Sarah. She's awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll hook you up. She's, she's taught me how to do larynx massage and all this stuff. Apparently, my throat is quite uptight. 
<clears throat> so. Me, me, me. All right, you wrote, <laughs> walking is a large category of movements, just like fat is a large category of types of fatty acids. I could tell you that your diet is too low in fat and that you need to eat more. But what does this mean? You need more man-made trans fats or that you need many different types of fats as each plays a different role and offers unique nutrients. You could still be malnourished if you only added one type of fats without digging deeper to what kinds of fats you were in need of. In this same way, walking offers a broad range of nutrients as a category, but you have to make sure you're not consuming only walks of a certain type like those prairie walks. You won't be fully meeting your movement macronutrient needs if you're always on asphalt or a path or always walking a dog, always going the same rate, always on a treadmill, always on the same route, always on the phone, always in the same temperature, always at the same time. Ooh, oh man, I think about that. You're so smart. Always in the same mood, always on the same slope, in the same shoes, always on the same texture, always the same distance. You'd be blown away at the many variables affecting the nutrition of your walking bout. The variables. And then, you know, I, I tend to post on different social media things said in slightly different ways. So I posted the same picture and then I had to do a one, you know, 120 characters on Twitter. And I put, <laughs> so this is a sum up of everything that Danny just read so unuptightedly. <laughs> it, it just it like flowed from your, from your, like your supple, supple larynx. Mm-hmm. Walking and fat are categories. Make sure your walking input is not entirely of the trans fat type. Brilliant. So again, another follow-up episode. This is like a thread, you know, when you like look at one thing. This is like the uh, this is the Wikipedia version of this podcast. <laughs> like we'll be like, are you interested in what is junk food exercise? You know, it's like, oh, okay, so what would be like trans fats are just a particular, I mean, hey, if you're starving and you're in the option is trans fat or not, then right. trans fat certainly has a role. But if if you're like feeling really good about meeting your walking nutrients and the only thing you're doing is one or two particular, maybe some are trans fat, maybe some are, you know, good quality fat, but you're only getting one type of, you know, medium chain fatty acid, you're still going to be experiencing nutritional, there's still going to be a mal a malnutrition or a nutrition depletion in one particular way when we talk about like what is natural walking right if natural movement is the big thing walking as a category is natural movement but there are types of walking that are not natural and therefore have less nutrition to them not that they're zero nutrition but they're less right. so yes and we've touched on that in our we when we talked about treadmills about a million right. episodes ago so there's so. another wikipedia thread blog uh what is it podcastopedia mm -hmm. Do we have to pay yes. something to Wikipedia? We're just going to call it Katapedia. <laughs> oh, it has it has ped in it, I which know. is like walking. So it's brilliant. It's thank you and no charge. It's Pedipedia. <laughs> it's just Pedipedia. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I'm going to ambulate over here to the yeah. next part. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> that was nice. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> I need to see your voice, Coach. When we had our Gate Lab here at the center. It was a one week long course talking about, you know, the, it's the biomechanics of walking, right? So they're learning this, the science of walking, the loads of walking, which everyone wants me to just sum up, like, just do a blog on walking, just do a video on walking. It's like, okay, but so here's how we, here's how I started it because I knew I was going to get lots of questions 
about walking from this perspective that walking is a single thing that we do, a single geometry. So we want to talk about walking into a reduced, my arms go this way, my legs go this way, it's at this rate. You know, all these things that when you research walking, the perspective is laboratory walking, you know, in modern populations who live basically in a zoo, you know, like flat level ground, man-made surfaces, mostly sedentary in between bouts of walking and shod most of their life wearing shoes. And then we see what they do in a laboratory. And then from there, that becomes what walking the thing is. Mm -hmm. So we started Gate Lab. I wanted to preemptively dissuade those questions by having people be able to refer back to this first experience, which was a two and a half hour walk through the forest here, the Olympic National Forest. We took a trail. You know, we met in the parking lot and everyone had a pen and a piece of paper. And I was like, there's nothing to do here except notice anything that affects how you are walking. We were barefoot. It was all unfamiliar to them. No one had been there before except for myself. Mm -hmm. And then we walked for two and a half hours in this group. And as they were walking, they would notice anything that changed I kind of started it with, there are many variables that are going to change the geometry, meaning like the shape that your body assumes while walking, and also the muscles used. Because geometry and muscular use, you can have two similar geometries, but different muscles creating that exact same geometry. So so therefore, Mm -hmm. even though the geometry is the same, if muscles, different muscles are creating it, those are different loads. So only when they had the piece of paper in their hand did they notice that, you know, when the um, uh, marmot, you know, jumped off the side of the road, you know, or came in front like that, everyone tensed <laughs> as it became darker. The strut, your stride changed uphill, downhill, walking over slippery surfaces, being afraid to cross a particular area when it was cold, walking faster or slower, staying with a group. You might be able to walk really, really fast on your own. And maybe that's the sole motion that you walk with, right? That that there's a particular speed because you don't walk with kids. Because why would you want to walk slow? It's like because walking slow. Have you ever tried to walk very slow? Walking slowly is kind of like if you're like, what's the difference between riding a bike really fast and riding a bike so slow that you can't use the momentum to stabilize the bike for you? Same thing with walking. And so they got to experience over two and a half hours. So many things. And then on the first, you know, real day of Gate Lab, you know, in the laboratory, in the in the facility, is we we've compiled a huge list and we they were organized by was it terrain, was it texture, right? There's the shape of the ground, but then there's also, you know, a texture as ground is only really texture depending on the footwear that you're wearing over it, right? Like you could be like, Oh, I walked on vitamin right. texture, but you're in a shoe, and therefore <sighs> The loads created by that vitamin texture are different than if you're in a minimal shoe, which are then different than if you're barefoot. And so on and on, they got to experience and and we go, oh, my clothing. You know, I never really realized that this jacket that I wore to stay warm actually like is limiting my arm swing or the fact that they didn't have to carry anything. Halfway through, I made them compile and gather a bunch of things and then carry that burden for the rest of their walk because, of course, that's going to change your gait because Mm -hmm. the very fact that we are a population that has a car and a refrigerator 
after the walk changes how you walk, right? If you have abundant food and you're not even walking to gather, which means your walking bow doesn't have any bends or ups or downs in it, or you're not seeking, right? The multi-purpose of walking is to also find or forage for something. If you're not doing that along the way, then your walk is this very linear, repetitive thing as opposed to something with more movement built into it. You could walk really fast if you can then go eat a bunch of food when you're done. Like you could actually work harder just to work up an appetite because of the abundance of food that you have in your house. And so that our idea of walking, especially when you come to a gate lab and want to talk about the science of walking so that you understand how walking is, it's like this is not how walking is as much as what people who have a particular lifestyle view walking Mm -hmm. is. And so when they got that experience to go, oh, you know, I didn't realize that when I was walking or talking with someone or that when I was scared or that even a path, the fact that the path was there for you. If you were walking through Colorado, you know, before it was heavily deforested where everywhere you walked on had been blazed for you, essentially, Um, figuratively, I don't think literally, (laughs) maybe it depends on if you live in Washington or not. Knock on wood. I'm just going to knock on all the wood right now. Um, that you would be scrambling a lot more, right? If you were if you were pushing, your skin would be scratched. There would be loads to your skin that's missed because everything's been cleared off for you. You are walking always where someone else has walked multiple times before. You're you're never, you know, going out and bushwhacking, mm-hmm. you know, through a particular area. So all of those things affect stride length and rate. And then also, again, the things like geometry, so that there really is this interaction between you and the environment that create the loads. That's what I mean by qualities. Qualities are are all of those things, that, that huge list that we came up with. Which is an awesome, I mean, to, can I talk about the 52 weeks course that you do? Just sure. bring that up. So the 52 weeks, everybody biomechanics, this, the lesson on gait mm-hmm. that you do, you give a lesson every week and the variables that you gave for walking, some of them, honestly, I'd never thought about, you know, I thought I knew all this stuff about walking, but like familiarity, that was a real, mm-hmm. you know, mind blower to me. It's like, oh yeah, because you do, you walk with more trepidation if you're unsure of a place, if you're looking around as opposed to just looking at the ground, you know, you're taking in all the new contours and hills and, and landmarks and everything and temperature like living in a a snowy place you live in a wet place walking on a slick surface sometimes in the winter is going to be a lot different than when it's dry and that I noticed after winter in Montana I had some kind of pattern use injuries because I was walking a certain lifting my foot a certain way to deal with the ice Mm -hmm. because I couldn't do my normal follow through of what I was used to temperature and weather that's a biggie I think that I never thought about and the fear, you know, that's huge. Like you said, it does change how you walk. If you're uncertain, if you're uncertain of a a surface, if you're uncertain of a place, if you're uncertain of your company, even you're going to walk different. You're not going to be relaxed. And another one I never thought about mood and attitude. Oh oh my God. Well, do you remember that gate thing I sent around? I mean, I sent this, like this little, there's a little. Yes, yes, it's that from, guy. Like, the Delaware yes. Gate Lab, right? And it's just, it's these dots. It's um, We should post it in the show notes because it's okay, so I will, fun. I will do that. I actually refer to that every once in a yeah, while. It's super so. fun. It's a Gate Lab uh, assessment. And so you end up just seeing, you. what you get is you get what we work with in biomechanics, which are like, like the people's limbs represented by yeah, dots, dots and lines. lines. So there's first there's just, there's they're these torsos dots like and a triangle moving. kind of a thing. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. It's reduced, but it's fun. 
And if you have if you have kids, oh, what a great homeschool lesson, totally. right? To bring that out. And you can add, you can toggle. So they've just they have analyzed so many people. They've loaded up all of their data and then you get to toggle male to female, happy or sad, heavy or light, different features of a person. And meanwhile, the dots are adjusting and you can see how the gait changes. So like you can toggle the exact same person, happy to sad and watch how their gait changes, right? It's awesome. Of course, we all know these yeah. things, right? You know that when you're... Yeah, well, I mean, I just didn't really yeah. think about how that, you know, affects the, the quality. Yeah. And mood too. You know, I even put things like in this gait lab, it was really hard for one person to stay with us, you know, like it's even the kind of like, I gotta go, I gotta do this as fast and as hard as possible. And it's like, okay, well, that's a particular mood. And that's the fact like, but they end up getting separated from the Mm -hmm. group, you know? So it was one of those things where if your livelihood depended on the group staying together, which, you know, as humans in a natural context, it does for the most part, then your gait would be different, yeah. Right. Right now, movement is often replaced with exercise and exercise is often replaced with elite types of movement. And that is one way of moving. It's one particular nutrient, but you're not doing that all of the time. You know, you live with a group of people and there are ways of moving that aren't always you by yourself sprinting and running off by yourself. You know, there's squatting around and hanging out with a bunch of other people and helping people who are not as strong as you get to the next part. Like there are elements of that that do round out the nutritional value, I guess, of of your movement Mm -hmm. diet. So yeah, uh, 52 weeks, so much fun to do one lesson at a time. And then we did one on arm swing, right? So arm swing is another component of you know, do you want to talk about classic gait? You know, because I i mean, I, I do think that people should understand classic gait biomechanics because it's the easiest portal. Like it's one way to say, hey, there's all these ways of moving and there are more rigorous ways of analyzing like these classic gait components like reciprocal right. arm and swing. That's, and, that's what everybody wants to know is like posterior right. push off yeah, and yeah, how yeah. should my feet be? Yeah. Where does my heel hit? That's... Yeah. But again, it's really hard to have that conversation without context, right? Like mm-hmm. they're posterior push-off and arm swing and muscular, all those things. We want to make sure that people understand that that's not the only, when when they say, how should I be walking? It's like, well, where are you walking? You know, you should be walking many different ways. You know, reciprocal arm swing is is absolutely part of natural stride. However, it's also completely natural to have one, you know, to be carrying something heavy in one arm and swinging only one arm and then switching and doing it to the other side that that symmetry doesn't always have to be evaluated over a period of five seconds or one minute of activity. That symmetry sometimes, many times, all of the time, <laughs> is always evaluated evaluated of body use over a day or over a month or over a lifetime. That, that symmetry comes about because you're constantly engaging in random and unique situations which don't always call on the same movement patterns. Yes, you you wrote at the end of that lesson, that one gate lesson, that there's no natural, there's no one natural walk. Right. Natural walking and natural gait is a response to a natural environment. Right. And it's it's the response of your natural body to a natural environment. And that's why we do the corrective exercises because your body has adapted to an unnatural habitat. So we are doing correctives or what we call the micronutrients to mobilize your parts. Because if you take your body now, like your 
heel wearing, mostly sitting body into a natural environment, you still wouldn't be creating natural loads because the, the shape of your body, the addition or removal of parts, right, your adaptation to what you've done before limits by proxy the loads that you experience in nature. So we're kind of approaching it at both ends. We're saying engage in a variability of movement. So say walking. So if you're going, okay, Danny, Katie, <laughs> how do I apply what you're talking about right now? It's like, okay, look at, look at, if you were to quantify, if you were to quantify or not even quantify, if you were to list your last 10 walks and pluck out five similarities of each of them going, oh, it's always on this path. It's always this, di- whatever it is, like find similarities and then create five walks that don't have those similarities, right? So that you're getting a little bit different nutrients. Doesn't mean that you have to stop doing those, but you could you can replace some of those with a different type of walking nutrition. So that's the best way. It's like, do you always take your dog out for a walk? You can still do that, but you might want to consider non-dog walking walks because the pace is going to be different. The mood is going to be different. You can pick a different location, right? If you feel like the carrying of poop is going to be different. How much poop do you carry when you walk a dog? Actually, my husband has to carry it because I... <laughs> <laughs> because he's a nice guy no anyway <laughs> because i i hold the big dog he you know he holds a big poop he holds a big poop and I hold big yeah um i don't even know where to follow like when i hear poop i'm it's sorry like my I'm concentration sorry. I'm just thinking about the variables of not having a dog with you when you walk five different walks different different nutrients and you're not and you're not like your arms not out and like like some people always on one phone and, and hold in their hand like just what is your arm use? You know, do you have a back? Do you always wear a backpack? Like, again, on Instagram, I walk to the store every day. So there's very little I can do about that distance. But I could mess with other things. Like, I can walk on the other side of the road. Okay, so familiarity is different. I can walk on the side of the path, which is asphalted. So I can walk over the lumps and bumps. I can walk on the right side versus the left side of the path. What I did... The other day was I took my backpack because I'm getting groceries. After the kids go to bed, I usually take myself on this two-mile loop to get groceries for breakfast. And I put my backpack on the front. I just carried it on the front of my body. That's you super, know? So super awesome. Same walk, completely mm-hmm. different experience, which means it's not really the same walk as far as loads go. And so just think of little things like that you can play with. You always wear the same pair of shoes. Can you mix them up? Can you put your right shoe on the left and vice versa? JK, don't do that. No. Um, So just like little things, like little things, I am such a Californian, little things like that can change. Remember, micronutrients, micro means small. They're little changes that bring about a different use of your body and therefore a different adaptation to your behavior. Gosh, that's a lot. That was awesome, though. It was for people that are just like you said, they're they're always in heels or they're always sitting and stuff. There's just by virtue of you know changing that everyday stuff before they even go walking will change the quality of their walk, right? If I stop yeah. wearing my my high heels and then you know start walking without them, I mean it's going to be just that. Even if I'm walking the same path, there's so many variables. It's just mind blowing, and none of it costs a thing. That's the cool part. Well, I think like that you said it. A nice way, like if we wanted to quantify a micronutrient of walking would be what are the degrees 
of plantar dorsiflexion? What are the degrees of ankle motion used for your walk? Like no one's mm-hmm. going to get that specific, but let's say that, you know, you want to do a full range of ankle joint motion that your walk should be using, even if it's not one walk, but let's say you're walking over a month should use, you know, this full range of motion of your ankle joint somewhat regularly, which means if you are thinking about it in like a reduced way, what happens like, okay, well then I need to walk on slopes from, you know, zero, like a flat ground all the way up to, let's say 45 degrees that I will make sure that my walking involves zero <laughs> slopage of zero. I don't even know if that's a word slopage of zero to 45 degrees. That that's one way of going every single degree and half degree in between is a different nutrient. But If your ankle doesn't go to 45 degrees, you could be walking on a slope without dorsiflexing all of the way, which means that you'll just kind of stiffen your calves or spring through. So you have to bring a body capable of matching the environment in order to get the full nutrition out. And that's why Mm -hmm. the corrective exercises, the exercises are trying to coax out those old adaptations trying to set a broader stage for then engaging in a natural habitat and moving through that habitat. So it really is both yeah. because you could say, oh, I can, you can go th- up and down those slopes, but you could very well not be using your ankle joints actively. They can, you could be using them elastically because you can get your heels down, no problem, but you're not actually passing through active ranges of motion. And it's the active ranges of muscular motion that brings about the cellular adaptation, the goods of mitochondria in the cellular stuff, which mm-hmm. is what we're after. So so active ranges of motion are key, but you need to prepare your body for them and then engage your body. Yeah, and it's them. kind of fun if you just go to a place just to look at those variables of how bodies move across the, the earth. Just go and people watch and watch the, the variation with people, how they lift up their leg or how they swing it back. And I mean, you don't have to know really anything about anything to, to spot all those differences there's so many ways that we adapt before we actually are walking that prevent us or help us get more out of our walking. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that fat's been the easiest thing I can explain walking with. Just a big, big category. Look at what you're consuming and vary it up naturally. You know, I think some people go, oh, then I'll run backwards or that, like it's not, I don't mean that kind of varying it up. Mm-hmm. It's mostly habitat, right? Habitat is where your habit's at. The habitat is really setting the boundary of body use during movements. So. Like if you're walking, you're probably good on certain walking micronutrients, but you could be missing some of the critical ones as well because of the environment that you're walking through. It doesn't create all the loads that the body requires. Exactly. That was pretty good. That was a nice summation. Gracias. Do you remember Ben from the Ben Show? Awesome, awesome Ben. Do, do, do I you remember, remember Ben? <laughs> Think back, Katie. Do you remember? <laughs> Reach back ben, deep ben, into the ben, recesses. Ben. Um, so have you seen what Ben's up to? For, I did. In, you know? Ben. So, like, what is Ben shooting for? Ben is shooting for his own I know, show. Like, I Ben, know. like, how to live life. I know. Ben. <laughs> this guy. He's so amazing. This guy, yeah. Ben. He's something. But he kind of, I mean, of course, he's inspiring like a thousand times over. But I was just thinking about him when you were talking about foraging, you know, and and like walking as bending down and picking stuff up and all that, everything, because I don't live, Ben, just everybody, Ben walks a lot, as you know, if you've heard the Ben show, and Ben decided to start doing other things on his walk, like feeding people and handing out food and clothing and, 
you know, just I'll link to his post on Facebook. He's let's just go to Ben's house. <laughs> Everyone just go to Ben's yes. house. It's where you're going to learn. <laughs> he was walking through. If I recall, he, you know, on his well, 72 kilometer walks or whatever he's doing every day, he was, he was walking. Um, and you see, as he pointed out in the first show, you see things more clearly when you're not driving through them at 40 miles an hour. You're like, wow, look at all these people sitting here on the streets. And he was, I don't even think he was in his town. I think he was out of town in a hotel walking through an area that had an issue with people not having enough. And so he made a hundred sandwiches and then handed them out on his walk. So it's like a different way of foraging. It's, It's like reverse foraging. He has such abundance that he used the same foraging behavior to to restock other humans. And I just, yeah. Let's just yeah. call this and, Ben and his, Says. Let's just be Ben Says just, from now on. <laughs> it's Benipedia. And his hashtag was move beyond you, which I love that because he's integrating movement yeah. with a movement. But I was thinking, well, I don't really live in a spot where I walk every day that I, you know, can hand out sandwiches because I walk through like prairie dog preserves and stuff like that you could totally nature, have nature to prairie dogs. yeah i don't think you're supposed to i could try but anyway sometimes there's garbage like people throw cigarette butts or you know leave their bags or whatever i decided okay that's going to be like my do good while i move is i'm going to walk and i'm going to bend like mm-hmm. foraging to pick up the garbage and, and also adding a city walk you know we're such yeah like we are we are technology city people like whether we like it or not that's the reality so you know i think that even if you're like oh rural 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 trying to get out in nature sometimes you know a family urban walk may be called for you know and then you can see it's like this is where this is actually where we live this is the condition of mm-hmm. people who are who might not be in your you know regular daily view so so many different ways to to move and then what did he say? Move he said, beyond. Move beyond you. Move beyond yourself. Move beyond yeah. your I you know, the your purposes for moving. You know, I yeah. Ben. Come yeah. on, Ben. Ben. Come on, Ben. I have people okay. here who've never even I know, I'm sorry, you're gonna end the show, but I have to just say, I have people here who I never even thought listen, like people who don't like they're they're not into movement or whatever, but maybe they picked up a show. They're like, That guy Ben, he was so inspiring. <laughs> oh. I was like, I know he's Fantastic. Anyway, okay. Mm-hmm. Are we all done? Yeah. Ben's my hero. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to do a question? We have time for a question. Yeah. Okay. This is from George, and George writes, Hi, Katie. I recently heard you talk about your husband losing his souls while asleep. And we're getting his calluses all shaved off in Thailand or wherever it was. Um, this made me wonder whether you recommend visits to the podiatrist. I just see the nurse who gives my feet a deep cleaning every four months, consisting mainly of scraping off the calluses. Do you consider this modern intervention to go against foot health and longevity? That's the first question. And the second one is, I have spent the last five years wearing Vibram Five Finger shoes almost exclusively, and only recently did it occur to me that this may not be the best idea since I'm always on hard surfaces. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thank Mm. you. Well, kind of fit in with today's show. It did, yeah. Thanks, George. Yeah, my husband. Just for anyone with quick context, he was in Thailand, and at the end of his um, Thai massage, they, while he was resting, they basically gave him like their equivalent of a pedicure, which was cutting off all of his calluses. And as a almost lifelong barefooter, 
it was quite substantial and it was difficult for him to walk because now he had lost essentially the shoe <laughs> of skin, the skin shoe that he had developed. Like that was his adaptation. And again, from the skin show, Pedipedia, um, that a callus is a healthy, it's a, it's a more vascularized part of your foot. Now I can't answer George's question. <laughs> um, I will answer his question, but I don't know why he's getting why he's at the podiatrist. So usually podiatrists would or wouldn't necessarily be prevention. They you would be there for medical reasons. So if there's been a medical reason why someone has suggested the removal of well vascularized portions of your feet, like is he there because he he has other issues? Right, and we don't know. Yeah, they're. Tr- I'm not. I don't know why he's going there. So no. So that would be the first question. Is you know. Why, if it's entirely preventive and you're doing it like for foot health and you're not doing it because of some other medical reason why they've advised that you remove your feet? Like calluses are uncomfortable for people when they're usually in like one small spot because then you have like soft skin uh, surrounding this hard skin. And then when you put pressure on it, then that skin increases in density and mass, like you get more regeneration, right? It's more vascularized. You get more of it. So then you get this area of thicker surrounded by thinner and that itself becomes a stress riser. And if you're not loading the rest of the areas, either because of your gait pattern, like say you have one bone pushing down into your foot more because the, the strength of your feet isn't what it would be had you not always worn shoes and walked kind of through urban environments, people will have them cut out because eventually they become irritants. But if that's not the case, if it wasn't an irritant and it's not a medical issue, why why you're having it removed? And it's just because like we want to keep your foot cleaner and healthier, so let's cut it off. Then I would say I don't I don't know of the reason why you would have that done because that is the adaptation that you're after, right? If you're wearing Vibrams, it's because you want a more functional foot and, and with more function comes the need for thicker And I would skin. just venture to guess by that, that two-part question that if he's been wearing Vibram five fingers for five years, he's probably not, most people go to the podiatrist for those cleanups because they have neuropathy or, or diabetes, you know, an issue with that. Diabetes, I'm yeah. guessing maybe right. not if he's, if he's out wearing really minimalist shoes, he's probably maybe just doing it for maintenance. That's, that's what I gather from that. It could be. It could also be that he does have diabetes or neuropathy and is why Maybe. he switched to Vibrams and they're keeping him on a prevention. So I would I would communicate with your doctor. You could say, like, could you show me the evidence for her? Like, because even then, I imagine like a pressure spot being more prone, perhaps to an ulcer, mm-hmm. maybe. And that's why they're cleaning him off. But in general, in a healthy foot in a in a well-developed callus, you could ask for perhaps some of the literature on why that would be done. And if it's just like, oh, we just want to keep your feet clean. It's like, can you do the cleaning or whatever you want without the callus removal? And like, it's your deal. Like you're the one in charge. Usually the person, the professional that you're working with has more information with you, but for them sharing that information is certainly within your interest to ask. So that would okay. be my... My uh, says, let's see what Ben says. What is Ben? Ben, Could you weigh in on this? Thank you. (laughs) That's Um, right. Well, that was awesome. Well, sweet. I know we've both done our walks, but I think we should go out and walk some more. I'm actually doing a family walk right now when we're done. Awesome. That sounds good. Grandparents are here. Oh, cool. 
Yep. So it'll be a variable speed walk because you have grandparents and toddlers. And are they still toddlers? Would that count? No, they're sprinters now. Or are they? Not, okay. I, I see toddler. I mean, toddler maybe like capital T, but they're certainly not lower. No. Case. No. They don't. You can't toddle five miles. They're, they are full on walkers awesome. now. Awesome. Getting those macro and micronutrients. Woo woo. Yep. Well, thanks for listening. For more information, books, online classes, etc., including, you know, that 52 weeks, doesn't that come up once a year? Are you going to release that again next year? Or Oh my gosh, thank you for bringing that up because yes, if you're like, I want to take that class, that class only, ap- it only opens once a year. Oh, sorry. Did you fall over? Microphone over. I just took it. That was a mic drop. That was just a mic drop. That was, that was a premature yeah, mic that's drop. that's not really when you're supposed to do it, KB, but no, I'll just I know. teach you that later. I'm like all yeah. awkward. I'm like, so anyway, what I said was, boom. Uh, once again, she's nailed so it. So cool. Backward um, backpack. So cool. 50. Such a geek. 52 weeks, which is an everybody biomechanics course, which is a once a week lesson, only opens once a year. You can't find it on our website. I, we announce it via our newsletter and through our social media. So if you're following us on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or whatever, 700 other billion social media, like what is Periscope? Someone just asked me a Periscope. I'm like I can't handle any more social media channels. <laughs> so anyway, I digress. Oh, no, I've already digressed. I will digress back to what I was saying, which is if you are if you go to nutritiousmovement.com, you can sign up for the newsletter and we open it at the end of the first week of December. And it's very inexpensive. It's like 15 bucks oh a month. Or the, it's like the biggest value ever. Well, I wanted it to make it super affordable. It is an amazing course. Yeah, thank you. Oh. So that will open uh, the last month of this year. So uh, sign up for our newsletter and we'll mail it out that way. And you can learn a lot of the stuff that you we're talking can, about. And it does yeah. not matter what your background is. I just, I have to let everybody know no. because I have no background basically. And it's just a fantastic course. And it's like, once again, totally Katie digestible once a week. You have no, you have no background at all. <laughs> like you just start, like you don't even, well, like you know, like I'm not, I'm not this genius, but this course is, it's so oh, well are. done. It's so well done. And just awesome. So I'm glad you're going to open it up again next year. That's cool. So yeah. everybody pay attention and just follow Katie. Go check out Nutritious Movement or katiesays.com. And you can learn more about me, Danny Hammett, movement warrior and hill lover at moveyourbodybetter.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. We hope you find the general information on biomechanics, movement, and alignment informative and helpful, but it is not intended to replace medical advice and shouldn't be used as such. 